I want people to feel like when they think of Georgina Dukes, they think that girl fought so hard. Yes, I have like an unorthodox way of doing it. It might have been different. But at the end of the day, you know, I fought my hardest to heal those I cared about and those that I know would make a difference. This is New Geechee Hey, my name is Kiana and my friends call me Kiki. And welcome to my new podcast, New Geechee from South Cat, Jersey, Boston, and now the West Coast. I'm giving YMPs what they need the most. That's inspiration to dream big and motivation to go. And good vibes only. That's all that Kiki knows. So kick off your shoes and relax your feet and vibe with me, Kiki. This is New Geechee. Hey. Hey y'all and welcome to the New Geechee Podcast. This is your favorite YMP Kiki and I am just so happy that you all have joined in on today. The New Geechee Podcast is the podcast where we create conversations that document the journeys of young melanated professionals. And in a time where positive representation matters, the journey shared here will set the blueprint for current and future generations to actualize what is possible and to give them the power to live with purpose. And today's episode is edited and mastered by Unboss Studios, a media house that's focused on creating and telling Black stories. Today's episode is another one that's just way too many years in the making, and it's from someone who's very special to the New Geechee platform. This young lady was the first person to contribute to the New Geechee blogs with a blog titled Healing the Health of Southern Hospitality, which was published back in May of 2018. Today, you'll meet Boss mom extraordinaire Georgina Dukes, most affectionately known as Joy, who is showing the world how we balance motherhood, the careers that we have, with self-care. Born and raised in the great town of Manetta, South Carolina, Joy learned early and quickly about how to survive the negativity of the world and what was the value of being a member of a community. Her resilient story begins as early as elementary school and only continues to strengthen when college puts her face-to-face with events that would change her life forever. An incredible mom of a brilliant and fearless young Black boy named Romeo, her ultimate goal in life is simply to heal. And she's doing just that through her blog, thejoyofromeo.com, which is going viral this year. Due to an entry titled, When My Beautiful Black Boy Grows From Cute to a Threat. With her new collaboration on All Mom Does blog, her full-time career working with Unite Us, and her newest business created during COVID, which is the joy of Romeo Transportation Services, which employs those who live in her hometown of Manetta, South Carolina. Talk about a boss, all of this before the age of 30. I am partial to Joy's illumination because she's a Delta, more specifically my Neo, who I actually saw outwork us all and live out the no excuses mentality that's needed to be successful. And she's also a Taurus. So there's that. (laughs) Joy, you make it all look so easy. And I know because I've seen it, you worked hard for every single thing that you've earned. And it's been so beautiful watching you continue to grow over these last 10 years. Your light shines so bright. And today we just want to say thank you. Thank you for simply being you, Joy, and forever our hometown hero. 
So, um, everybody, please welcome Miss Joy Dukes to the New Geechee Podcast. Say hello, Joy. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today, Miss Joy? I am well. I'm excited. I couldn't sleep. I was so excited to talk to you today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am overjoyed. See, now I'm going to be Stevie Wonder today saying the word joy and overjoyed because it's been a while, but you have been soaring and thriving. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have been. You don't feel like it? No, I just feel like I've just been doing what I'm supposed to do. Like, I've just been trying to check off the list. Like, that's all mm-hmm. we try to do. Yep. You always said that, though. When you were in college and you were, like, doing the most... You would be like, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> you would say that all the time. I don't get it. But we, go, you know what? That's neither here nor there. Let's jump into it. So, Joy, I always love to start this podcast by asking a simple question so that we can kind of get an overview understanding of who we're talking to today. Kind of summary, if you think about it, where would you say Georgina has been and where is she headed? So I would say that Georgina has been in the most country, southern, small towns of Manetta, South Carolina, all the way through Clipson, Charleston, to Durham, North Carolina. And where I'm headed is becoming the best Georgina dudes from Manetta, Clipson, Charleston, Durham, North Carolina, the most successful one she can be. So I think that's the most authentic answer I can think of. Like I've been all these places, I've been all these different people in these places, and now I'm headed towards becoming the most successful me I can be. I love it. I love it. You mentioned you've been these different people, and that's the beautiful part of life. is It's very cyclical and seasonal, and so some seasons look better than the other ones. And within those, we learn so much as we move along. So let's let's take it all the way back to Manetta. 1991? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, what 1991. Was, if I were to ask, like, your aunt, what does it mean to have a little joy around? What kind of kid would you say that you were? Oh, my gosh. I was, like, a weird, a very weird child. I was very much to myself in the corner working on stuff. I used to get yelled at because I would take the lotions and flour out of the kitchen and mix them up and bread it on stuff. Like, I was just this weird... <laughs> kid like always inquisitive but I was super emotional okay like I mean you say something to me and I would cry and I think that my whole family like they just knew I was a waterhead that's what they called me like cry about anything my grandma just kind of put this whole sticks and stones mentality in me like so growing up in Mineta I was like this emotional weird inquisitive kid that was crying all the time (laughs) until her grandma got sticks and stones in her head and that kind of made me toughen up you know okay yeah so this is you Mm -hmm. as a little itty bitty kid and so when did you feel like you toughened up um from grandma I think it was around middle school. So our house had burnt down like the week before I was starting middle school. And I remember just feeling devastated and crying and then going to school and people saying, you know, kids are horrible. They were saying the worst things about like, that's why your house burnt down. What you going to do now? You smell like fire or like ashes and stuff. People were just mean. And then I remember my grandma saying like, this stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. And I just remember going to school like sticks and stones and people were like what the heck is she talking about <laughs> <laughs> but it worked like for some reason that empowered me like you ain't you ain't about to hit me in the face 
because I'm bigger than most of y'all. I was already a big girl and tall. Mm -hmm. You're not about to hit me in my face. And I cannot give your words that power. So I think once middle school said it, I'm like, I'm not giving these people no more power. They're just words. As long as they ain't hitting me, keep talking. I know that's right. That's beautiful. <laughs> so I always understand how the socialism of school changes us. Do you feel like you changed from that inquisitive weird kid when you were in elementary school? Were you trying to like turn into something else when you got to high school? I think. No, no, not really. <laughs> I, I definitely grew out of mixing things and trying to create some kind of shrinking potion to, <laughs> when I got in high school. I think something shifted too from once I got that inquisitive girl to high school that I had to be number one. Like I had to be best. I think there was like some kind of perfectionist syndrome. And I know people have such a negative connotation with perfectionists, but for me, that was my saving grace. Like I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to execute excellence at all times. I remember I called my mom up to the school because my chemistry teacher gave me a 98 instead of 100. No, I know I deserve the 100. We getting the principal in here and everyone like. So I just think there was something that shifted that I became this perfectionist. I was still inquisitive, but it was like I had to be number one and give my best in everything. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And then you ended up graduating like the valedictorian of your high school, right? Yeah, I was the, the top nerd, the top geek. Like, <laughs> that's what I was. I know that's right. And so then you venture off to Clemson. And was college always something that you aspired to? And, and like, how did you end up deciding Clemson? You know, when I think someone else asked me this question, like, just in general, I think it was a mentor. And I was like, I don't remember people saying you have to go to college. Like, I don't know about you, but I just don't remember mm -hmm. anyone in my family saying like, hey, apply to college, take the SAT. That was not my family w wasn't pushing me to do that. Uh -huh. I just think I how I got on the path was because I was smart. I just would receive like random mailings and stuff like that. And mm. I don't know if my guidance counselor put me on a list or something. But I remember getting a mail for Clemson's SAT boot camp. Yes. So I went there my sophomore to junior year that summer in between and that's where I met like Amy and all wow. those people like Marcus oh okay I didn't even realize all of y'all went to SAT boot camp <laughs> yeah yep. we all went to SAT boot camp together and I was like wow this is cool Coop and Courtney those were our, like mentors at SAT boot camp Yeah. And I just was like, this is awesome. Like, I just didn't know that's what college could be. And it, mm -hmm. it was all black. Like, I had no idea Clemson was even white. At that time. <laughs> it is super white. <laughs> Boot camp was super black. And I was like, oh, I really like that. And then the following summer, you know, you go back between your junior and senior year. I was just like, wow, I had the same friends, had the same circle of people. So it's just Clemson became a no brainer to me. And like, honestly, it was just the place I was just like, I'm gonna go here. And they had my major that I wanted to do at the time. So it, was, it became that like, oh, wow, this could be like my community. It's so important to have those access and equity programs, especially because how long is it from Mineta to Clemson? Three hours? Yeah, two and a half, like could be three hours. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's a world's difference for a young kid who's coming from the country back roads to this large institution. And it's like all these different people. I remember I tell people um, my first college class, like the first one ever was at 8 a.m. And it was philosophy. But I had this teacher from Georgia and his draw was so thick that I thought I was going to have to like withdraw from the class. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it was like a real smack in the face of like how diverse college is. I really, really appreciated that. Let's go back to Mineta, right? I just told y'all that Clemson is this institution of higher learning with people from all over the place. Probably a world of a difference from Mineta. So what is Mineta? Like, if we were to, like, roll up on Mineta, let us all know, like, where you came from to come to Clemson. Oh, my gosh. Mineta is the best. I love Mineta, but it's so different. It's so different. I feel like Mineta is full of the most gritty and resilient people you'll mm. ever meet. So our population, I think, is, like, 235. And it probably was, like, 237 before me and Romeo left. 235? Yeah, 235 people. And I bet you I could name everyone, take you driving to see where everybody live. That's how many people. We don't have stoplights. We didn't have... We just, We got a gas station, I think, like my sophomore year of high school. And now we have a Dollar General, honey. Hey, Dollar moving General up. came <laughs> like two years ago. And I walked in there during Thanksgiving and they was like, oh, your mom, Regina, that's your bro. Like they knew me before I even... <laughs> as soon as I walked in. But I mean, it's a very rural, small town setting. So you have these people who, I mean, they don't care as much about the brilliance of, you know, having degrees and stuff. When I go to Mineta, I'm just joy. But these people, when I tell you that they are so gritty and they may not be brilliant when it comes to like just degrees and stuff, but they're brilliant when it comes to masters of all trades or the mm. jack of all trades. My grandma was the bus driver. She was the ISS teacher. She was the person who cooked meals for the church. She was the mother of the church. She was the person that led the softball team. Like, you know, it's these people that can do any and everything. They're so talented. And I think that's the one of the things I love about being from a place like Mineta, a small town. I have become like a jack of all trades, a master of none. Like, And I love that. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I'm not the best cooker, but I can make some mean food. No, I'm not the best speaker, but I know how to get up and fake it and figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. So I learned how to be great at all these things because when you're in a rural, small town community, you don't have a lot of resources. Right. It's an unequal allocation of resources. So you have to be decent at multiple things to make sure your community continues to thrive. So yes. that's how I would describe it. I love it. And you rep Bonetta on your back like, listen. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and when I heard you say 235 people, it's like, we need all hands on deck, you know what I'm saying? To make right. sure that this whole ecosystem is functioning. So that's super, super interesting, Joy. Like, I, I don't think I knew that much about how that part shaped you into being Miss Jack of all trades because you got to college, honey, and you was like doing everything. Okay, so Joy and I have the privilege and honor of being members of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. She's my Neo. I love her dearly. And I mean, from day negative one, she came in guns blazing, ready to work. It was outworking everybody. <laughs> Had us looking bad. <laughs> I know that's right. But no, what would you say was some of the biggest things that you learned from college? Like how did college shape you into who you are today? Oh my gosh. So I would say my freshman year of college was really depressing. I don't think I would have returned back to Clemson. I would be in my room all the time. It was intense. You know how you yeah. just come to college? I majored in microbiology too. I was just like, everyone was saying I should be a doctor. You know how your family yeah. says that. And I was like, okay, I'll be a scientist. I want to cure cancer. I couldn't do any of these math and science. <laughs> and 
all together. Like, yeah. I just remember being so depressed and down. But thankfully, you know, college, you find your tribe. You find your clique that you can really relate to. And that, you know, was Diamond, Courtney, Mm -hmm. Amy. I just remember when we really got close when I came back from Christmas break my freshman year. I was like, I can do this. I changed my major from microbiology. I went to the Michelin Career Center and they took an aptitude test and said I should be in health science versus this microbiology science. And I just remember having my tribe. They brought me to parties. We went to the different events. We joined the gospel choir, all of that. And that was just such a game changer and really showed me the importance of having true friends, people who have your back. And they're like, they wasn't going to let me quit like right. the diamond and court was not playing with me when no. I that. so like <laughs> i just think like that was a really important part of my life and then as you know i joined delta as soon as i came back from my freshman year mm-hmm. and that took everything to a different level like i felt like i had to be here like delta wow. just, i felt like i was at, Co- at clipson more for delta than i was for school Girl, like me too. you know you feel this higher power just saying You have to do the right thing. We have to serve our community. We have to provide events and resources for students on campus who need us. And I just think that it just helped me find a purpose while I was there. So college taught me a lot, but mainly about finding that click, finding those people that can have your back through everything, you know? So so that was freshman to sophomore year pledge in Delta. Yes. And then um, after my second semester of my sophomore year, I found out I was pregnant. And I think you were like one of the first people I told you and Mal, like we were walking around and I was like, I gotta tell y'all something. I'm pregnant. You were like, what? What you gonna do? (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Yes, I I can recall. Yes. That was a game changer for me too. I mean, I was about to give birth to a whole human and I was only a second semester sophomore. So I remember being in Clemson, my family, I I couldn't go home for the summer. I was the person who went to college in my family. I was supposed to be different and I failed them. I basically let them down. I I was the person that got pregnant out of wedlock and now I messed my whole future up. So I remember again, Delta comes in clutch, Tam, she let me stay in her apartment during the summer at the summit. And like I had an air mattress on the floor and I literally stayed there and I worked at a hospital third shift in the ED mm-hmm. all summer long. And I just tell you, like, that whole time at Clemson taught me so much about being gritty and you can do this. You can do this. You are the master of your fate. That whole Invictus stuff that we yeah. learned, like, <laughs> I have Invictus on my desk and on my background on my phone because I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my yes. soul. Like, you can do this. I just literally busted tail, worked my butt off, and we even did fall fest. Like, pregnant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, <laughs> and then had my rodeo during Christmas break and came right back three weeks later. And who was there? That tribe, that uh-huh. click, that circle of people, Deltas, taking shifts, Courtney Diamond, Chaz, like every, Brittany, DP, like taking mm-hmm. shifts to watch my son to make sure I made it. They was not going to let me quit. Courtney Diamond wasn't going to let me quit my freshman year and Delta definitely wasn't going to let me quit once I had my son. So I just think the overall theme of Clemson was you have to have that circle of people. Like you cannot be this self-made person. I don't think that exists. Like you have to have this group of people that's going to have your back and push you when you feel like giving up on yourself. Absolutely. And do you feel like you- you prayed for that or like 
I always say God don't play about me. And God always gives me exactly what I need, even if I don't know I need it. So how do you feel like people can find that tribe? Or is it something that, you know, if you pray about it, it, it can manifest itself into uh, your life? I do think prayer helps. Like, I mean, I'm strong in my spiritual and <laughs> my religion. Like, I prayed a lot. And I don't think I was praying for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I was praying for that. And it's just like you said, God just sends you exactly what you need. I think what I was praying for is like, I was like, oh, I just want to make it. Like, that's all I was saying was like, God, please let me make it. Please use me so that I can continue to do the right thing. Like, that was usually all my prayer. When I go back and look at my journals, it was just like, I would start every prayer off with God, use me to do the right thing. Use me to do your work or whatever. And I think he said, like, in order for me to use you, you got to put some work in. Like, you have to be intentional. Like, you have to respond to your friends when they text and say if you're okay mm-hmm. or if they invite you places all of that you have to do your research and stuff like that and I think because I put in the work when God gave me those simple opportunities like responding to a text or (laughs) showing up for them at an event that I think it ended up working out in the best way so I think two parts just to summarize like my answer to your question is one yes pray but two be be open to them opportunities because it's like I watched this T.D. Jakes was saying this God doesn't just give you a chair Right. He gives you a tree and you have to see the chair. You have to see the house. So God gave me a tree and I had to see this as an opportunity for me to build my home of a circle of women that are going to empower me and not let me down. Absolutely. When you are in college and people won't let you give up, that is certainly how you get through. It's like good people and just really pushing yourself to the end. I can't believe you were a sophomore. It just It's just like blowing my mind. I hadn't really thought about it in that way. I'm going to say this for everybody who's listening. I hear you talk about the disappointment, but you went times 20 in your life and still pushed yourself. Romeo has not stopped you one moment. <laughs> Let's say that. And I don't know if people need circumstances to change for them to realize there are a few things in life that matter and you need to focus on what does but you make me feel like Romeo gave you another set of reasons to like go 10 times harder and to live mm-hmm. and like live with no excuses right yes I completely agree. No, I was thinking about that. I was writing in my journal because I'm just a writer. And I was just like, what has motivated me this year? And I'm like, Romeo, because, you know, this year 2020 has been a crazy thing. And I'm just like, what has he done in my life? I was just writing like a bunch of pages about Romeo. And I think that the theme that I wrote was no excuses. Mm -hmm. Like literally that was I wrote it in like bold letters. And I think that resonates from even the moment I found out I was pregnant with him. Like there's no no freaking excuse of why I can't make this work. I got into this situation and I'm going to make the best of it. And I'm going to show you everyone who is doubting, who's like, oh, she's going to end up just like everyone that, or the, the whole stigma behind young pregnant black mom dropping out of car. No, I'm going to show you how this going to be done. I'm going to look good doing it. Like that's just it. Baby. He definitely pushed me. And he just gave me, you know, it's different. You have this motivation when you have a human being yeah. depending on you. When I was just depending on myself, freshman year, yeah, I was just like, whatever. But an actual human that I have to fight for, too, I just think that brings out the bear in you and you're just, you just become unstoppable. 
I love it. I love it. You mentioned earlier in the conversation that your family was like, Joy, go to be a doctor. And you talked about your career change. Talk to us about, okay, I finally went into the health sciences and this is what I plan to do after college. So when I went into the health sciences, like I began to like really research because again, when I went, when I changed my major and went into health sciences, like it was all about this personality test. You know, I love person Myers Briggs. Yes, me too. Negroes. Like I just, <laughs> I'm like, who am I? Tell me. Like, <laughs> so, uh, it, it said that my values, my my strengths and my skills, like the way my mind think, is in business and technology, but my values are in health. Like I want to heal people. And they, and they were just like, if you could just think like, how can you heal people without touching them with like knives and like surgeons and stuff? And I was like, yeah, that's true. Like, I don't have to be a doctor or a scientist or, uh, or a clinician to heal people. There's so many other ways that I could do that. So majoring in health science taught me about how you can heal people through their mind and changing their behaviors. Yes. Right. Like. And I think it was really important because I thought about how I came up and my upbringing, like in Mineta, oral health is really bad. There was only one like dentist um, and she was a black woman, but like she had to serve like not only Mineta, but like the urban centers surrounding Mineta, like the Aiken County, the Aiken and all, and the Lexington and all of that. So it's just like I. I thought like, okay, so what behaviors do we do that makes us need to go to a dentist? What behaviors do we do that negatively impact like our heart health and the reason we have so much heart disease and diabetes in our community? And it's all because like access to resources or we don't have safe sidewalks. We got dirt roads or like how far is it to get to a grocery store to buy toothbrush, toothpaste? Like, thank God now we have a Dollar General, but it's just those type of things that kind of took me on this career path in the health science room. So um, when I was graduating, I honestly, this is as shallow as it comes, because again, I was a mother, I was gritty, a single mom. I said, I just start Googling salaries. What is the highest salary? What job position gives you the highest salary with a major in health science. And it yes. was the CEO of a hospital. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, they make like millions of dollars. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I got, I went and applied for schools and I got into the Medical University of South Carolina to get a master's in health administration. And that took me to Charleston. And I still like, at the end of the day, I was like, I want to heal people, but I'm going to do it from the business side of the hospital. I'm going to make sure every doctor has the resources they need. Nurses have what they need to really impact people's life. And I'm going to make sure hospitals are in communities and are helping communities get resources. So um, like, that's kind of how my path took. So I've, and even today, I still have that same theme and what I'm doing, but it's just, It's just like I thought about it in a different way. And I was looking at salary and pay. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not shallow. That is back to that point of wanting to be the best. Right? Mm -hmm. I feel like you are a person who puts in so much hard work that it's not too much to ask to be compensated for it. You know, I think we, we grow up 
sometimes kind of like having to just be thankful for what we have. And like you see the people who get a lot and then they looked at differently. But I feel like we can be that bridge. You know what I'm saying? Back in the day, it was like you find a job, you find a trade, you get good. You work for a company for a million years. You get a pension. You never mm-hmm. leave. But for us, it's like the opportunities are unlimited. It's like you can be a consultant. You can take what you did in this job and go do it for other people and have that job paying you. And you don't even you're not even an employee of them. It's just interesting how we have the opportunity to make the money. Period. We're not finna be working for no little jump change no more. So how has your career path changed? What are you doing now these days? So my career path has kind of taken another turn again, right? So Mm -hmm. like hospitals, that's what I worked in clinics. Like even when I was at Clemson hospitals, clinics, Charleston hospital clinics. And what brought me to Durham was because I had to do a residency slash fellowship. Like when you get a master's in health administration, they want you to like really perfect your craft working with an executive team at a hospital. So I matched at Duke. So that's what brought me to Durham. So did that program, but always, again, the theme was like healing the community, making sure that people get the resources they need. And then I was hired on as a project manager. And honestly, I was just minding my business. Like Mm -hmm. I was just like focused on my goal, just do the best I could at this job. And I received a random LinkedIn message from the founder of this startup called Unite Us. And he was like, hey, we just signed a contract to create a statewide network in North Carolina. And we really like your experience in hospitals. Would you be interested in like learning more? And I was like, spam, you know how LinkedIn is. <laughs> right. <laughs> That email stuff, I was like, whatever. But then I, like, I think a week later, I circled back. I'm like, this is interesting. I just even like the name Unite Us. Like, I just, it made me feel good. Like, Mm -hmm. that, like, someone would have a name like that. And the more I interviewed, the more I fell in love with the company. So, what I do now, so I end up leaving Duke and coming there. And again, everyone's like, you're crazy. Duke is like the one of the most prestigious. Uh, health systems in the South. Like I was working mm-hmm. at the number five heart center in the nation, number five. Wow. Like, and you're going to leave and go to a tech startup with like 30 employees based out of New York. Like, what if they go under next week and stuff like that? But I'm like, what they're trying to do is amazing. So right. what Unitas does is they go in each community and create networks with their technology. And that network allows anyone, like whether you're a church a community-based organization, a nonprofit, a health system, a government agency like a health department. Whenever someone comes to you and says like, hey, I can't make rent this month, you have the ability to log into this platform and then send referrals to community-based organizations on the opposite end that can help them get the rental assistance they need. And then you can know they actually get it. Like You can track the outcome and tie it back to their health. Are they gainful employed? Do they have dignified housing? Do they have access to healthy food? And I'm like, this is real. Like I wish I had this growing up. Mm -hmm. Students this at Clemson yeah like it's just crazy like how many people need this so I was like I'm gonna leave and yes they could have totally went under the next week but I just felt like for some reason if I'm there I'm not gonna let it happen I'm you know, I know again, that's right I have to be number one I have to be excellent I am going to help them 
kill it to the best of their ability because every community in the nation needs this. So I left back in 2018 mm-hmm. and haven't looked back. So right now I am, I work my way up from being just a community engagement manager to now I'm a regional network director. So I lead 11 states in the South. Wow. So the farthest North being Tennessee and North Carolina, down to Florida and all the way West to Oklahoma and Texas. And I just think it's a powerful thing to see that like the work I'm doing is really healing communities, especially our community, the historically marginalized and oppressed community, yes. giving them the resources they need. Yes. Ah, That is so good. And what an incredible concept, because I think one of the things, even just like as an individual, right, it'll be like, I'm talking to Joy and Joy mentions to me like, and I love Joy and Joy tells me like, I need to find Romeo a school. And it's like, I don't know anything about schools or kids, but now I feel like you still at square zero because I have no resources to help you, but like to be connected to the different resources that can help. Like that, that's powerful. And, um, right. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. As you can tell, I'm really passionate about yes, it. Yes, you are. I mean, I really think it's a game changer. And I hope with this new administration coming in, thank Ooh. you. that um, that they will see it and take it like across the nation you know so I hope so I really want our people to be liberated and I feel like this is one of the many tools that they can show that they're really supporting our people so to me you are just resourceful overall you know how to one synthesize information for other people to consume it and I don't know if that is something that you were looking to do with the joy of Romeo when you started, but mm-hmm. you have this mommy blog. What was the main inspiration for you to, to bring that to the forefront as if you weren't doing enough already? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I started the mommy blog back in, I think it was June, 2017. And how that started was I felt really alone. Cause you, you remember I came to Durham, North Carolina away from family. It's about a five hour drive. And I was just like, writing in my journal and I just felt I need a sense of community again like I was used to deltas mm-hmm. my people being there having my back and like moving to a new city just you in a completely different state, I just felt so isolated. So yeah. when I started writing, I was like, I can't be the only mom going through this or feeling this. Like, I wonder, can I, like, should I post them on Facebook? Yeah. Or, like, how can I build a sense of community? And I just start researching. And actually, I talked to um, Sajel. Yep. Um, yep. Your, um, your baby. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. And she was like, yeah, you need to start a blog. That should be easy. Like, you know, Sajel, like she's she's <laughs> like, yeah, just do your research. I'll help you with branding and hashtags and stuff and wow. start a blog. So I was like, OK, that's what I'm going to do. And I just like all these journal entries that I had. I just started putting themes together, like what happens when you have to stay late and you're a single mom or like, how do you finish college as a mom? Like, what are some tips and stuff? And I just... I literally just started trying to make a book of different tips and stories to motivate people. And it ended up working. I really realized I was not alone. Like, I'm not the only young, Mm -hmm. black, single mom trying to make it out here. And 
it was just a beautiful thing, the amount of people who shared the post, who who commented on the post. And it was like I found my sense of virtual community, even though I didn't have that tight knit thing. So I began, like, again, resourceful, calling people that I knew had some kind of idea of how I should pitch it. Yeah. And it ended up really growing into something beautiful. That was just for the mommies. But you've even taken your joy of Romeo affection into like letting Romeo explore his own interests and start businesses and podcasts and all of that. As a mother, a single mother who is like on the pursuit of the top for for lack of no other words, what does it mean to you to have Romeo starting to get involved in his own doings? What is the source behind all of that? Yeah, I think I'm really unconventional when it comes to mob. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we were raised so traditional, like hush, sit down. And I think what kind of helped me with the way that I raised Romeo, I went to some kind of like cultural competency training and it was saying the most, some of like being an adult is a privilege. That's what it said. And I was like, huh? Like, and I think Romeo was like two or three at the time, Mm -hmm. like being an adult is a privilege. Like people need to check their privilege because children are like sometimes the most oppressed community because like they can't even say when something's wrong. Right. We like shut up, go sit in the corner. Like, no, you can't do that. That's stupid. Like or or even if you say it in a nicer way, you're still telling them, no, they can't express themselves. They can't even talk back and say. And sometimes they write when they talk back, like they Correct. just asking a question. So. From that moment, like I was like, wow, I'm not trying to raise a child that's going to continue this cycle of trauma. It is trauma, even though like it helped us get there, like especially as a black community, get to some of the success. Like I don't want Romeo to have the same battles I had being afraid to speak up in meetings because that's what my white colleagues tell me all the time. Stop being afraid to speak up. Stop like stop being afraid to share your ideas and stuff like that. So I just created this culture in my home where like if Romeo has an idea, we're going to talk about it. Now, I'm not going to do the work for you. Now, we know Georgina <laughs> is not Joy, Georgina. We will not like I'm not going to do that. I'm going to treat I'm going to teach you hard work ethic. So every idea Romeo has, we literally put a brainstorm like we write about it in his little journal and we have a canva where we do like a storyboard. He has so many. Like you might have seen the t-shirts with the mm-hmm. animals that he's yep, done the orca. or the podcast <laughs> with Marvel, but there's been so many more sin like but I'm like you have to do the work. What can you commit to? So right now I've started this activity with him like every summer he has to do some kind of project like just to keep his mind going. So the um the first summer it was the t-shirts the next summer it was a podcast like who knows what he's going to come up with this summer like i think yep. and he, even before the t-shirt and the podcast like he wanted to sell like lemonade or something you know so i'm just trying to teach him like whatever idea you have put your mind behind it and, and, and put the work in and make it make it happen yes Listen, I can't wait to see the reapings of these things. It's been really um, inspiring to watch you because, I don't know, back to the point of like no excuses, like the way you and Romeo pick up and be like, me and Romeo are moving to Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, me and Romeo just started another business. Um. The fact that you named the blog, the joy of Romeo, 
I think I see so many people who are not really that happy to be parents. It sounds like you're having a good time parenting Romeo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Nah, it's very stressful. <laughs> like, but I think I'm just a person. You know how there's, like, I don't want to say I'm just a weird optimist, but it's like some people, I wouldn't even say I'm an optimist or a pessimist. You know, optimist, glass half full, pessimist, glass half empty. I'm just happy to have a glass. Like, yes. and I think that's the way that I think about Romeo. Like, it's not that like he's good, he's well behaved, or he has a uh, behavior issue. It's just that I am happy to have this young black beautiful boy that I have an opportunity to mold to be something better in the world. And I think that's my job as a parent. Now it is hard. Do I cry? Like, and like, I can't, I don't know what I'm gonna do with him. Like you met in Clemson, I had $2 rent. Like I, I literally was struggling to just make it with Romeo and he went through the terrible twos and all of that. I remember when his first time he got a parent teacher conference in Durham, like it's been such a, a, a journey with him and a roller coaster. But at the end of the day, I am so grateful that I'm blessed to have this young, black, beautiful boy. And yes. I'm going to set him up for success. Now, he could still choose his own path, but I just feel like as a parent, I'm going to enjoy this ride and do whatever I can to make sure he's successful. Okay, so y'all, I'm just rolling through all of the a list of accomplishments and things. And I'm not saying that to like, to like, you know, make you feel like, oh my God. But seriously, like, hopefully you've taken the moment, and it sounds like you have because you journal, to just reflect on, like, where God has brought you. Like, he just continues to take you higher and higher. And you have a, a company that you started in your hometown for another group of people who you felt like you wanted to impact. So tell us, you know, how did you... Okay, and I keep saying this, as if you weren't already doing enough... What inspired you to start your your transportation company, Joy Romeo? Yeah, I mean, so I think because I saw that the Joy of Romeo blog was beginning to take off and it was um, getting into a good spot. Right. Like I've, I have contracts like with Insta, like with different like vendors on Instagram, with different up uh, with national blogs. So I was like. Okay, I feel like I'm doing what I need to do for black moms, like or or just young moms, single moms. Like I just feel like I'm doing that and I'm gonna to continue to do that. I felt like three years that was a well-oiled machine. And then, you know, COVID and this year hit, and I was just like, what can I do next? Like I had put on my vision board at the beginning of the year, I believe in vision board and two yes. uh, every year. Um that like I wanted to figure out a way to create wealth for my family. And I was like and I think I put something like they have a name or something on my board. I just cut it out of a, um, a a magazine. And I was like, this just means something to me. They have a name. And then I put it on top of like family wealth. And um, so COVID hit and just like my family back home, like there, there were, it was like struggling issues and stuff like that. And I'm just yeah. like, I really wish that, there was a way that I could help employ, especially those who are justice involved, because at the end of the day, there's almost every black man in my family has seen the inside of a jail cell. And Romeo could potentially be the first person that has not seen that for my family. And I think that our whole criminal justice system is just 
horrible and it's like it doesn't set you up for success even my dad was in prison 10 years when he got out he got out for maybe a year and went right back for the exact same thing and did a whole nother two years and it's just like I just wanted to set people up for success especially our black men right so I was focusing on women moms but now I'm like how do I set the black men that I care about those who have been justice involved in my community up for success and so I just started doing research and my dad had been talking he's he loves trucking he talks to Romeo every now and then Romeo's like we should start a trucking business like uh, (laughs) Papa said that we should we should do this again he always comes up with ideas I'm like are you gonna do it you can't even and drive what you talking about <laughs> but let's write a storyboard about it but um yeah so like I end up talking to my dad one night I think it was actually on his birthday like in April and he was just like hey I really think that it's gonna it would be badass if you had a, a fleet of trucks that was like women and business owned and like could really help people back home and I was like dang that would be cool especially if it was all women drivers I was like just th- thinking about it. Uh-huh. And then um, I just started doing research and just made it happen. I talked to my uncle. He was in the car hauling business um, before he um, kind of fell into the justice system cycle or whatever. And we just made it happen. So we launched in June of this year as a car hauling company with one truck. Nice. Um, and we hired a justice involved individual and we have since, I mean, we have like tripled our profit. We are continuing to boom. Like we're slated to get two more trucks in 2021. So it's like growing really quickly where we can have different individuals take shifts with the truck and make sure that they are also able to take care of their families. And it's just simple. All you need is a license or a CDL. And then I insure you, and then you go on a truck and you make 25% of the profit every week. So it's just a great way for people to be able to provide for their families when we know the stigma and discrimination against justice-involved individuals. But I will say I've learned a lot on this journey. Like, this is a crazy journey. Like, employing justice-involved people in general, like, I was thinking, okay, we got to make sure everyone's trained. They know um, how to drive the truck, how to load the cars on the truck. I was thinking, you know, from a business perspective, but there's a lot of soft skills you got to teach in there. Yeah. Like, yeah, these, like, just involve <laughs> people, like, if someone did, don't pay, you can't text them and threaten the person, okay? Right. Like, right. like, <laughs> like that I've learned along this journey, but I think it's the right thing to do, and I'm excited. We're only six months in, again, but I think it's the right thing to do for the black men where I'm from who are justice involved. Listen, as if you don't have all the other things to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, Joy? People think Oprah's and Jay-Z's, I'm just using them as examples because they're the first people that came to mind. We think them people are made overnight and it's not. It's one truck. It's one blog. It's, you know... It's it's a step-by-step-by-step process. It doesn't just happen overnight. And I, and I think this is what my mentor was trying to tell me. Like, of course, we see all of these different opportunities that exist. And it's, um, it's easy to want to think, like, when something isn't going right, like, I can just do something else and it's going to be better. But when I was thinking about quitting my podcast, which now is four going into five years in the making, he was like, why would you stop 
this thing that's growing <laughs> to, yeah, to go yeah. do what? <laughs> He's like, this is setting you up for other opportunities that are going to continue to build one on top of the other. And I just, I am thankful to him for that moment because it was like, I was ready to like move on to the next thing. And that's just not how a long, wealthy mindset works, right? When we talk about mm-hmm. wealth, we're not talking about the things that harvest instantly. We're talking about things that over time, the one truck turns into two trucks, turns into five trucks, turns into ten trucks. And, um, yeah, you got the long game set up. I completely agree. Like, what you said just gave me chills on my arm because I think, I don't know if it's our generation, but I just think we like immediate like oh, yeah. success. Like, if it's not working or it's not working as fast as we want, we're just like, it's not for me. And that's because that's true. Something could genuinely not be for you. Right. But, like, if you're playing the long game with things, like it's okay to be patient and it takes time. Like your podcast is amazing. I'm so glad you got a mentor that told you <laughs> what you're talking about. Like, no, you can't stop this. Like, this is just the beginning. Like, this really is just the beginning. Like, I ain't even really got started. Honestly, when you think about it, you know, yes. yeah, like you got so much more to go. I mean, you're about to be talking with Charlemagne to God next week, girl. I just speaking it. Next year, come on! I got him on my list. Come on, speak out! You better speak it. (laughs) Honestly, it's been the joy. I'm gonna stop saying joy, but joy is at like for real. Joy, joy is one of my favorite words. I have a bracelet that says joy. I really do love Stevie Wonder's "Overjoy." And if you listen to a lot of the podcasts from this year, you will probably hear me say I'm overjoyed or I have joy that you've joined into this episode. I use joy all the time, so it's. It's not a coincidence. <laughs> but I, I have so much joy in like extracting these stories like yours because we live in a really big world, but it's actually really small at the same time. And it's like there is something so uniquely beautiful about Georgina Dukes. And I'm saying this because you said Charlemagne the God. Like we all know his crazy story. But like Georgina Dukes is actually where it's at. <laughs> this story of resilience is the one that is going to help so many people from so many different angles. Like when I hear this conversation, I hear, I got to make sure every college student that I know hears this. When I hear this, I hear like every person who is, who has children and feel like they can't go on needs to hear this. For every person who is like, I want to get back to my community. They need to hear this. My friend says this all the time, taking advantage and unleashing your greatness on your corner of the earth is so important because that's how we really touch and impact people. And like the work that you're mm-hmm. doing with that one truck and that one truck driver for now has an effect that is going to affect generations of people. Like you are changing the trajectory of somebody's life, not for a moment, for their generations to come. And that's just Thank like you. so powerful, man. You be like, yeah, we out here doing it. But like, I don't know if you see what I'm seeing. <laughs> Maybe you do. Don't, but like, I receive it. I'm receiving it right now. So. Okay. So just to put it all together and make it plain, like, what is the legacy of Georgina Dukes? Like, what do you want to leave behind when the Lord does his thing and, and says you have done well and moved on from this earthly realm? What do you want to be? sort of known for yeah when like i think about that question 
I was like, what does that dash mean? You know, on your tombstone, like yes. 1991 to whatever date, that dash, like what does that dash mean? And I feel like I would want to be known for healing. Like that's just the Ooh. one word that I like heal, like how you love joy. And mm-hmm. I really feel like you bring joy. Like you might need to take the nickname joy. Now, <laughs> like, now I'm 30 like, years old. I ain't finna change my nickname. <laughs> I feel like, um, but for me, I feel like it's healing. Cause at the end of the day, everything, like you mentioned, like you summarized my journey so far better than I could ever have what I've done as a college student. It was to yeah. heal this place of feeling like I had to give up, feeling like I had let everyone down. The grit, that grind came from a place I needed to heal this. I needed to make this right for my career now, healing the community, providing resources, making sure people have access to a quality life for the blog. It was healing mothers. Like I don't want women who are raising our next generation to feel broken and then to the trucking business that just started six months ago it was healing those justice involved i want people to feel like when they think of georgina dukes they think that girl fought so hard stressed herself so far out (laughs) but at the end of the day she was doing it to heal the community to heal those she cared about you can't get mad at yes i have like an unorthodox way of doing it it might have been different But at the end of the day, you know, I fought my hardest to heal those I cared about and those that I know would make a difference. And I think you've already accomplished that. If you if you don't do another thing, you've already done enough. That said, it's like you not even 30. Romeo, not even 10. (laughs) It's no telling what else y'all going to do. It's no telling what else is going to come from the dynamic duo that is Romeo and Joy. I said this earlier, but it's. An honor to know you, and it has been the privilege of a lifetime to watch you continue to grow. And, and the thing is, it's like the 20s, they are like blurry for a lot of people. <laughs> and it has been blurry. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I'm just stumbling through, trying to figure out, thinking this is the move that I need to make. Am I making the right move? I hear that if we just keep going, all of the things that happen, all those blurry pieces that we don't know how they fit together, they end up making sense. So... I think we're going to be all right. I think you, I know you all right. You already all right. You're talking about this blurry and you got a business, <laughs> you know, just keep shooting, man. And for the people who are listening and maybe they fall into that category of the college student or they are the mom or the person who feel like they disappointed their family when really they, they got to just do what's best for them. Right. What final words of advice does Georgina Dukes have for them, especially in the world that is 2020? Like, what advice do you have for for folks in 2020 as we close out this crazy year? Yeah, I have two things, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is just the common thing, never give up. I mentioned Invictus earlier. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Think about that. Like, you cannot give up. Like, you decide your success. Do not give anyone power. Life is about how you react to it. Don't give anyone power to take you off your path. Stay focused. Stay focused. And I tell myself this every day. Yes, I might be getting it when it comes to like this calling around healing, but I still have to heal myself like when it comes to weight loss and and mental health and stuff. So I'm like, never give up. Keep focusing and remembering you are the master of your fate. You are the captain of your soul. And then the second part, like, and this is something that I wrote, like, again, while I was up because I was excited that I get to talk to Kiana. (laughs) And I feel like this is for you and like 
anyone else, it's just that remember you have the sizzle. And I think mm. it sounds it sounds it's gonna sound weird, but like people get so infected with comparing themselves to other. Yes. And there's so many sausages out there. Yes. So you have the sizzle. It's about that sizzle, right? I like, love it. Wrap up 2020 and think about how you're going to start this business or how you're going to expand your business. And don't even think about comparing yourself to others because at the end of the day, it's the sizzle, not the sausage. Okay? Mm. Like, keep focusing. Keep getting it to the next place but remember your sizzle remember what makes you unique remember you're the only person from your hometown with your name with your set of parents and like you the world needs you the world needs that gift that you're about to bring and bring it just stay focused on that sizzle and take it to the next level so those are the two things i would want to leave if that makes sense i know that was country the sizzle not the sausage that's the only way i could think of it (laughs) hey they know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> how can other people get connected with all the things that you have going on? How can how can we support you? Yes, so you can follow me on Instagram at Joy Dukes, J-O-Y-D-U-K-E-S. And then you can also subscribe to my blog, joyofromeo.com. So J-O-Y-O-F-R-O-M-E-O. Easy enough. Thank you, Joy. It's been a joy <laughs> to have you. <laughs> thanks Kiana and that's the podcast folks if you enjoyed what you listened to today make sure that you head on over to the Apple Podcast app and show some love your reviews mean the world to us and they help us to climb the podcast charts and help more people get to see the mission of the Nugichi Podcast and if you aren't already make sure that you head on over to Instagram, Facebook and Twitter like us, follow us and engage with us And we just cannot wait to have you join us for another episode. Remember that there is power in connecting the culture. Y'all be good. No, be great.